and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Karen Buscariel, who does social media and community outreach at Wellington Brewery, but she's perhaps more well-known as just the Queen of Craft. Of course, Queen of Craft is more of a state of mind than an actual title and initiative to help women reclaim something that they traditionally played a pretty big role in, the brewing of beer. Starting in ancient times, brewing was fairly female-dominated, but that changed in Western culture around the same time the brewing process became industrialized around 150 years ago. Now, in the 21st century, women are trying to reclaim their place atop the brewing world thanks to the proliferation of craft and microbreweries, and one local woman is helping to lead the way. Creating more queens of craft is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. If you've ever seen a beer commercial, they make it pretty obvious that women are not the intended audience for the product. It's silly because, obviously, there are women who like beer, and it doesn't make much sense to cut off half the prospective audience for your product. That is changing, and perhaps we can thank the democratization of beer, so to speak. The increasing number of small brewers who have broken the hegemony of the big two Canadian brewers and made beer as unique and distinctive as other culinary interests. And if we're changing the way that we make, sell, and distribute beer, then why not make room for the people who were there since the beginning of brewing? Of course, making room for women in brewing is one thing. Making them feel comfortable in a predominantly male atmosphere is another. So, one local woman happened upon a solution, and it just so happens that it was also great marketing for her employer. Nine years ago, Karen Buscariel launched the first ever Queen of Craft event, and it had a twofold purpose. First, the event consisted of multiple female-friendly events that would acquaint beer-curious women with the art and craft of making and tasting beer. And second, all the proceeds from the event would go to charity. Since the first Queen of Craft event in 2013, it's raised over $50,000 for Guelph Wellington women in crisis, and we know that money has not gone amiss, especially with the effects of the pandemic on clients of women in crisis. Of course, the pandemic also stopped in-person Queen of Craft events for the last two years, so on the brink of returning to a face-to-face Queen of Craft event series, we are going to ask the Queen herself to tell us all about it. So on this edition of the Guelph Politicast, we will talk with Karen Buscariel about the origins of Queen of Craft, how she got interested in beer, and how she knew that she had tapped into something by creating a female-friendly beer event. We also talk about how the Queen of Craft program changes every year with at least one exception, what the event lost while being forced to hold virtual events, and how it's changed forever now that Queen of Craft is going back to in-person. And finally, we will discuss the importance of the fundraising that Queen of Craft does, what surprises Buscariel still experiences organizing this event every year, and whether or not there is such a thing as too much craft beer. So, I caught up with Karen Buscariel last week via Zoom. Karen Buscariel, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. So why don't we start at the beginning? Uh, how what what is the origin story for Queen of Craft? So the origin story is I've been working at Wellington for almost eleven years now, and about year two into my event job there, I was working part time uh, doing events on weekends, 
I just felt like I really wanted to take on more at the brewery and they didn't really have anything they could offer me at the time. So uh, they asked me to just come up with some creative programming. And so I went home with that idea and I sort of uh, married these two ideas that um, mean a lot to me. Uh, I really like to give back to the community, especially to women's causes. Um, and I also love beer and beer education. And I noticed that just working in the tap room and working in events that back in 2013, there wasn't a lot of space for women to really learn about beer without feeling like they were in an intimidated, like in, an intimidating space. So I wanted to uh, create a safe space where women felt really comfortable, but most importantly, women were at the helm of the educating so that we could really highlight a lot of the awesome women in the beer industry at the time. Um, and have them impart all of the information in a really comfortable, open environment. And so I came to the brewery and said, I want to start this thing called Queen of Craft, and I want to start running events, and I want 100% of the profits of all of these events to go back to a women's charity. Um, and they said, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> that's how it started. And what was the charity you ended up choosing? So we've done many different charities, but we've sort of landed on really partnering with Guelph Wellington Women in Crisis. And to date, we've we've donated uh, oh just over $50,000 to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we feel like just because it's so unique and uh, intimate to our own community here in Guelph um, and just so relevant to like keeping women safe in the community, uh, we thought it was just a really nice union. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, but you, you talked about how you wanted to create a space that is welcoming to women uh, who want to learn about beer, which sort of implies that the spaces prior to the Queen of Craft were not, I guess, openly welcoming to women. And I guess maybe you can correct me if that's maybe the, not the right way to phrase that, but I guess, can you, I guess what I'm asking is, can you explain a little bit about to me, a male, the, the female psychology when um, getting into trying to get into something you're interested in, but it, it is not a, shall we say uniquely female space, or it doesn't feel because it's mostly men there. It doesn't necessarily feel like a, a, a space that can be welcoming to women. I, I, I definitely know exactly what you're saying. I'm back in 2013. It was a very uh, male dominated industry and, you know, all the media around it, all of the pictures you see on social media back in the day or anything, it was, you know, all of these big bearded male brewers and um, <laughs> that was part of the culture back, back then. Um, in the span of you know the nine years that we've been running this programming, things have changed significantly. There are way more women brewers, uh, women brewery owners, um, women that are advocates of you know uh, human rights and equality in beer. Um, so I I feel like we sort of we were one of the organizations uh, that that created a community around supporting women and allowing them to feel like, okay, this is viable for us and we can move up in this craftier ladder and we can make good things happen. Um, and so 
I feel like it was really a sort of a gateway. It opened a lot of doors for a lot of women who felt a little bit hesitant about entering a situation like that. Um, mm. A lot of them have then moved on to become like really incredible women in craft beer that sort of started out and had their roots in just attending queen of craft events. It's fascinating because it feels like th things like queen of craft take the cork off all of a sudden you, you find out there is this wellspring of interest um, beer in particular, because it has always been so closely associated with maleness and, and men getting together and having a beer and doing man stuff you know, watching sports. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about what, like your, your interest in beer and, and how like that manifested? So for me, I realized um, that beer is so nuanced and in the craft beer world, there are so many different styles to explore and uh, so many different ingredients to explore that there really is something for everybody. It's not like uh, being in, say, vodka or, you know, it's not just a single-handedly, like, one track of, of a product that you're going to explore. Um, there's just so much variety that when I started having women come to me at the bar and ordering, you know, which is what would happen a lot back in the day is, like, I want your lightest beer, almost as if they wanted the least amount of flavor. <laughs> and I would say, I want you to try our darkest beer because you're going to pick up notes of coffee and chocolate and, you know, cocoa and caramel, like all of the things that that uh, just make it almost like it's just such a flavor explosion. And so we would sit at the bar and they would try a sip of it and realize they actually love beer, but they had been drinking the wrong kind of beer, you know, the whole time. And that for me was so exciting to just introduce a lot of women to how flavorful and exciting beer can be. Mm. Um, and I think with, with that, just continuing on with Queen of Craft is, you know, we've delved into some very science heavy subjects. <laughs> we've got really deep into chemistry of beer. We've gotten deep into the ingredients and um, we've had specialized lab techs um, and, you know, P, um, students with PhDs coming in and talking about all of the different things that have just opened our eyes to how incredible like beer actually can be. And, and taking it from, you know, being this sort of male dominated consumer product to being something that is, you know, you can imbibe with mindfully um, and tastefully. You can pair with, you know, excellent cheeses. You can do so many different things with beer. Mm -hmm. It does seem like maybe this speaks to, you know, the, the monopoly that, you know, the big beer companies had back in the day, but um, there has been a growth in like the craft beer market. There's been a growth in like the variety. There's been a growth in like who beer can appeals to. And it seems like it's all been sort of happening at once. Definitely. Yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I mean, to, to, yeah, <laughs> I guess just to add on to that. Um, yeah, the can of craft beer worms was opened, you know, and <laughs> and now it, it, it just seems like it's endless. The creativity in the industry right now is really endless. Mm -hmm. So has the event changed uh, a lot since, uh, you know, you, you first started this? I mean, obviously, there's 
pandemic considerations. And, and I would like to touch on that in a bit, but just in terms of like how you're introducing uh, Queen of Craft to people and, and the kind of programming you offer, how has it changed in the last eight years, I guess? Yeah. So I think the first time we started with a beer 101 and we did just one simple session. And from that session, it just got such great feedback um, that we decided to create programming that was much more thorough. So every year we do four sessions in a row. So we do four weekends in a row where we touch upon a different topic and many of our participants will sign up for all four of them um, and get the full range of what we're doing. And then we decided that we wanted to also inject a lot of fun because we found that if we were too heavy handed with all of the real nerdy stuff and the educational stuff, it got a little bit stale. Um, so what we'd like to do is we like to format it so that we've got something that's um, very information heavy. And then our next session will be really fun and community building and um, friendship building pretty much. And then we'll, we'll, we'll sort of stagger them in that manner. We've also noticed that, uh, I mean, pandemic, we had to we had to shift into doing everything virtually, which was really difficult for us because, um, you know, a huge part of what we do is we create community. And mm. when you're at one of these events, it's so exciting and it's so much fun and you meet new people and, you know, you talk about beer, but you also talk about your kids and you talk about your job and you talk about your friendships. And, you know, we found that um, there have been a lot of strong friendships um, that have been built through these sessions. Uh, so we're really happy to be doing them in person again. Mm -hmm. Do you get any requests like people who, you know, maybe have a specific interest, anything they want to in particular get out of the, the experience? Yeah. So every year we will send a survey out afterwards and we'll ask for feedback. And part of that survey is, you know, what would you like to explore next year? Um, so we try to touch upon the topics that we haven't explored yet, but we've in the past nine years, we've kept it fresh. We've never, we've never really, the only thing that we do every year, every single year, because it's so popular is our beer, cheese and chocolate pairing. Um, that one sells out like that. Uh, people love it. It's, uh, uh, it's just such a treat to go to that event. It's just well curated pairings and um, very obscure beers. And you, you kind of learn, like, if you don't like this beer on its own, sometimes you can have it with a cheese that sort of cleans up what the beer tastes like or vice versa. If you don't like blue cheese, sometimes if you have it with a certain particular type of beer, you end up liking what blue cheese tastes like when you have the combination of the two together. Mm -hmm. How does one go about deciding what gets paired with what? Is, is, is there like... Uh, like are there people who sort of make that their speciality where they kind of sit there and like, I don't know, I'm trying this cheese with this beer. Now I'm trying this cheese with this beer. I don't, I, I, I I'm honestly curious. It, it's great. Well, you can go online and you can find a very general, so sort of general pairing rules. But what we like to do is we do have a cheese expert on our queen of craft crew. Um, and then we have a chocolate maker also on our queen of craft crew. And what we do is, we usually sit down. It's a really, really tough day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we sit down with the beers that we want to use. 
And then we'll have a bunch of samples of different cheeses and we'll all try it and then we'll come to our favorite. And so for something like that, we either do a complementary pairing, two things that work really well together or a contrast pairing. So two things that are very interesting in your mouth together. Um, so we don't like to use like sort of the docket from the internet to just pair what would go with what. We like to use, you know, the group of us that kind of decide what's the most interesting pairing that we can create for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does, does the craft, um, I guess the craft aesthetic that do you try to pair like local cheese with local beer? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we do. Okay. Sure. We, and, and so what's really unique about those, pro, uh, those sessions particularly is that if we are using local cheeses from local farms, we'll usually try to get the farmer in to talk about, um, the whole process of how they make the cheese. We've even had uh, goats at one of our events, the goats that actually made cheese that you're eating. Um, so that was really unique. So does having yeah. the goats there enhance the cheese experience? <laughs> it's really cute. I mean, I don't know if it enhances the experience, but it's absolutely adorable. In your experience, uh, have you ever run into a wall like this nothing goes with this beer yeah that really yeah we have there are a few beers that we've had a really hard time pairing so we just don't even bother with those ones anymore um or we just haven't found the right cheeses or chocolates to pair with them some of them just are really tricky but most of them are very malleable and and really accommodating to like different you know different flavor profiles that we pair with it so it's always such a fun day to just um, <laughs> sit down and drink beer and eat cheese all day. <laughs> so when, as, aside from the, uh, the beer, cheese and, and chocolate day, um, you, you get this feedback uh, in terms of what people want to see, but you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who come back to these events, like looking for more, and of course, they're telling their friends, like, you should come and check this out. So I, I guess, how do you, you strike that mix of, of, you know, being something that is there for the connoisseurs you're creating, but at the same time, that's still welcoming for people who don't know their, you know, their, their welly from their Budweiser or whatever. Exactly. That is uh, one of our biggest challenges is to create programming that caters to both the 101 beer drinker, as well as seasoned beer drinkers who have been coming to our events for the past eight years, right? So um, what we try to do is um, on day one, our first session, we try to have some kind of education that is sort of lays a base for people who have never done it before, but also allows those who have to explore even more in depth. So for example, this year, we are using what's called the BJCP. It's the Beer Judging Certification Program. We're using the actual guideline from the BJCP, and this is how they judge beers from all over the world. So if you enter your beer into a beer contest, most beer contests will be judged based on this document. Um, so we are going to extract information from this document, and we're going to have blind tastings of beers so that everybody there is starting fresh, whether mm. you, you, know, you think you're a total beer nerd or not. Everybody is starting fresh with this blind tasting concept and we're stepping everyone through, you know, the process of like, is this beer to style and, you know, does it meet style 
Does it meet all the style requirements? And which one is better? Because we're going to have two that are going head to head that are the same style from different breweries. Mm. So you just to be clear, you're not paying you're not playing favorites with Wellington at these yeah. events, right? Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> the thing that we do, uh, I think the thing that we do best is that even though we are a project of Wellington Brewery and I get paid through Wellington to implement this program, um, we really, really rely on outreach all over Ontario um, in order to make these sessions really unique and very exciting each time for people to come. So we've established some excellent relationships with numerous breweries all over Ontario that just simply donate their beer to our events because they know, number one, we are going to pump up their brewery. Mm. Um, We're really good at researching the brewery, um, giving the ins and outs of everything you can expect from this brewery, um, giving the history of the brewery, and then going into their beer-making styles. And so... I think that there are a lot of breweries that have a lot of confidence in us bringing their beer to these events because they know that they're going to be showcased um, really thoroughly. And we're so grateful for these connections and for the donations because that allows us to provide a bigger donation to women in crisis at the end of the day. Uh, So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. Kind of skipped over this, but in the years I mean, it, it just does have a feeling of something that keeps getting bigger. Um, from your perspective, I mean, when you started it, did it surprise you that so many other women wanted to get into this? And for the, as sort of more women are coming into this, are they surprised at how many other like-minded women there are out there? Like, is this a surprising community that women are discovering? I think in year one, I was surprised when tickets sold out, you know, within a week, we had filled the Wellington Brewery tap room, which is, you know, it's not a huge room, but um, I was, I was very happily surprised at that. But from that point on, I realized that there were a whole slew of women that wanted to go so much deeper into beer. And I think one of the neat things that Queen of Craft has done for Wellington Brewery is that a lot of these women now work at the brewery. We are now uh, 50, over 50% women employed at Wellington, wow. which is quite unique and quite lovely and super amazing. And I'd say most of those women have come through the Queen of Craft programming. That's as, as you were talking there, I, I wrote that down um, because we, we started with, with, this was a male dominated industry when you, when you started the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you have Wellington brewery uh, at over 50% uh, well above gender parity this time for the women. Um, is this something that is catching on industry wide? Like is, is craft beer or, you know, brewing just a, as a matter of an industry still that male dominated um field or has that shifted in like if if not just quantifiable ways but in like anecdotal ways like you can go to a brewery and see and, and not have to squint and and look for for in a field to find the one woman that you right. know, the women are easy to see now right or have or have the uh, brewmaster you know talk to a woman and her male partner and simply like look at the male partner the whole right. time speaking you know right um 
anecdotally, yes, I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, we've, we've actually been trying to grab numbers to see if that change is quantifiable. And um, the Ontario Craft Beer Association still doesn't have numbers on how many uh, women are actually working at breweries. They're trying to compile those numbers right now. So we're kind of waiting on some numbers. But um, I would say even though there is a real uptick in women working in breweries, we also still do have a lot of gender-based problems with um, whether it be harassment. I mean, we're, we're talking mm. about hospitality here. So mm. there, there still are a lot of issues that need to be reconciled and we, we need to all do better as an industry. Um, there are some really great sessions coming up um, that we're sort of helping to support that are, you know, male allyship in craft beer. Um, we've got bystander training uh, sessions coming up and all of these are free. They're all virtual. We have um, an HR, you know, specific to craft beer. We have another session coming up uh, just to sort of help breweries work with, you know, their human resources component and ensure that everybody feels safe and supported in the craft beer industry. So I would say that there is movement in a really positive direction. It hasn't been easy um, for a lot of people at the helm of trying to really push ahead this movement. Um, but it is happening. And, and I assume that means that the industry itself is, is looking to create those opportunities and, and is looking at the best practices and things that can help them change as well. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. We've been kind of touching on it all the way through here, but you know, COVID uh, having virtual events. I mean, I know it's it bit difficult to have people in the brewery, um, you know, whether they're visiting or, you know, uh, you know, taking the tour or whatever, but you know, there's also the social aspect of this. Beer is a very social, um, I was going to say beverage. I mean, technically all beverages are, are social in nature, but I mean, there is, there's a, a particular social component of gathering around, opening a pack of beer and, and drinking together. Yeah. Has that had an impact, do you think, like in terms of, I guess, the pandemic forcing people to, you know, shelter alone, shelter in place, all, all that um, now that we're kind of reopening again, uh, I, I guess wh where's the where's the feeling of of socialness and like the desire for people to socialize again is uh, you know has it been tricky trying to get convince people to come back to Queen of Craft in person or is there like an overwhelming eagerness to engage in the social aspects of beer again? You know that's a great question because right now. Um we're really challenged with our, our ticket sales for the first time in nine years of, mm. of doing this. We usually sell out within the first two weeks. It's done. There's no more worrying about it. Um, we, I have noticed ticket sales have been very slow this year, other than our, our beer and cheese event. That one sold out <laughs> very quickly. Um, so I do think that a lot of people are very hesitant. Um, it's, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. I wasn't sure if people were going to be, uh, is my cat's tail right there? Um, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if people were going to be so eager to come out that we would have to open up more, you know, more sessions or, 
or how it was going to play out. But so far, it's been quite slow. So we're mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking for now. I'm really trying to get creative um, about new ways to get people in. Um, also, you know, obviously guaranteeing refunds if anybody does get sick right before an event. Um, we're going to ensure that we keep the space as safe as possible. I'm guessing by the time we started up again, people might be, you know, feeling pretty comfortable having a mask mandate, you know, while they're not sitting at their tables. So um, we're going to work our best to try to allow people to feel safe. We actually have created two sessions per day instead of one so that we could lower the numbers in the space. Um, we're lucky to be uh, using the donated space of 10C downtown Guelph, mm -hmm. uh, which we're also super grateful for. Um, so instead of packing, you know, 100, 110 people up in that room, we're going to uh, limit the capacity to 70 so that people can sort of spread out and, and you know, not feel overwhelmed with other people uh, too close to them. <laughs> I do find it interesting that COVID safety is not a consideration when it comes to the beer and cheese portion, but. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, we have limited those numbers too. So we're, they're going to be smaller numbers, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think that one is just an irresistible uh, <laughs> event that people can't stay away from once they've done it once they want to come back and bring their friends. Well, it, it speaks to the popularity of the event. Um, and I, I guess this, the, the skill in, in the pairings as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, you, you've been at this for almost 10 years. What, what keeps you so excited in the, like what, what keeps your excitement up in the beer business? Oh gosh. It's uh, I just, I love the creativity that goes into the programming. Um, and I, I, for me, that's, that's what keeps me going. I find it so exciting to, uh, come up with new programming every year and you know I'm just going to give you one example of probably the most creative event that we ever um I can't believe we pulled this off but we did <laughs> anyway so we ended up uh teaming up with the uh, Professional Wrestling Association of Ontario mm. and we got um in touch with all of their women wrestlers and we paired each wrestler with a different brewery and that wrestler went to that brewery to brew a collaboration beer with their brewmasters. And while they were brewing that beer, they all decided on, you know, what their team theme was going to be, how they were going to dress, what their opening song was going to be, what the beer was going to be, obviously. And so we had eight different breweries that were participating in this. And then we had a huge wrestling event um, at the Red Shed downtown Guelph. <laughs> where we had all of these collaboration beers on site for people to taste. And we also had all of these wrestlers, you know, going at it in the ring. And uh, so it was one way for us to support women in wrestling too, which is also a very male dominated um, situation. I was so going to make that point. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really cool because, the, you know, all of the, the wrestlers had come back and said, you know, that was the, greatest event we've ever done we have always been a tiny part of each wrestling night but like this was all us you know we've never been so celebrated um and it yeah it was just like a really fantastic event maybe to wrap up this is something i've always kind of wanted to, to ask someone in the beer business um because it, it does feel like every year we kind of have a new craft brewery pop up and on the one hand i can understand how that's exciting as 
an outside observer though i wonder is there such thing as as maybe too much craft beer does the, is is there a concern that maybe the market's getting saturated that you know one more jingle block on top and the whole thing falls down i think before covid happened that was sort of a concern it was becoming very very saturated and i think that over the past couple of years it's uh you know covid is really sort of um it's been sort of a, a, a swimmer sink situation for a lot of breweries. Mm. So unfortunately. Um, so I think a lot of breweries who were sort of teetering, um, you know, unfortunately haven't made it through. And I think a lot of breweries who could get their, you know, their Shopify systems and their home deliveries up and running. And so obviously needing more resources to do that. I think a lot of those breweries have stayed afloat. Mm. Um, but it, I think, uh, you're right. Yeah, it has become very saturated in Ontario in the past few years. Um, we'll see what happens over the next year or two, you know, with people going back and being able to visit these places live and be in person. To be continued then. So uh, mm. Karen Vascariel, uh, Queen of Craft, thank you so much for uh, indulging the court today with a few questions. It's really oh, appreciated. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. And once again, that was Karen Baskeriel. The first Queen of Craft event for this year is this coming Saturday at 10C Shared Space, and it will continue for the next four Saturdays. You can see the schedule and find links to buy tickets at wellingtonbrewery.ca slash events slash queen dash of dash craft. You can also follow Queen of Craft on social media at Queen of Craft Beer on Facebook, and you can find all those links in the show notes for this episode. And that is it for this episode of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico. You can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. <laughs>